Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about killer karma and warped work ethic. I'm your host, Steve Taylor, and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Paris Clark and Michael Tolman, our voice talents Justin Reynolds and Nick Goroff. Now, get your ticket ready, take your seat in our Theater of the Minds, and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale of the evening is written by Paris Clark and is performed by Chilling Tales for Dark Knight's newcomer, Justin Reynolds. Tonight, we'll meet a fellow named Jason Biggs, who is enjoying the start of his weekend by drinking cold beer and driving around deserted gravel roads and highways. He then comes to a bridge that brings back a memory from when he was young. As he reminisces, a woman shows up claiming she is lost and is needing a ride. He happily obliges her, but little does he know he is about to face the consequences of his dark past. So without further ado, I present to you Mary's Bridge. Yeah, buddy. Jason Big shouted, smiled, and then gulped down the rest of his brewski as Bon Scott fabulously articulated that he was on the highway to hell. He crushed the can and tossed it out of his open window. His gray chest hair fluttered in the wind. It had been a hot mother trucker today, and I would have loved to have some AC blowing, 
but that was busted just like everything else on this piece of shit. Jason Biggs, a middle-aged, overweight, lifelong bachelor, had gotten off from his slave trade as a bandsaw operator at the local metal manufacturer four hours ago. He had finished his 10th brewski and had 14 more nice cold ones sloshing around in the cooler in the back of his truck. There was nothing better than starting a weekend by riding around well-known gravel roads and barely used backwoods highways, listening to some good tunes and getting on one. He casually swayed back and forth through the lanes as he drove his raggedy 94 Chevy Silverado southward down Highway 37, heading towards his ramshackle trailer house. Or was he headed down the next gravel road he came to? Not even he knew the answer to that question. The speed limit was 55, but Jason idled at 10. Thousands of tiny little eyes reflected back at him from his headlights. Rice fields border both sides of the highway. A mix of small lime green tree frogs and large brown bullfrogs littered the asphalt heading to and from prosperous breeding grounds. They did this every summer when the rice fields were flooded. You could set your calendar by it. Hell, maybe even your watch. His hatred for them was obvious, as he tried to drive over every last one of those creepy bastards. They gave him the willies, with their tongues that shout out. Slimy skin and bugged out eyeballs. Kill him. Kill them all. He could hear big bullfrogs thump the truck's underside as they tried to jump. The sound was pleasing. I hope you knock your fucking brains out, he said. A raccoon appeared in his headlights. The little furry bastard was munching on a frog and had another wiggling victim in its hands. They were on the same team at the moment but he knew the little trash panda son of a bitch had a mom, dad, brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, and uncles that stole the shit out of his vegetable garden every year. And so one less was one less to worry about. He smashed down on the accelerator. The truck's cut-off tailpipes roared, and the back end lowered as the torque took to the wheels and jolted the truck forward. A nice hard thump and slightly raising his tires let him know he had found his mark. He could feel his pants growing tighter as he began to swell. After the interlude, he continued weaving until a bridge appeared. A green metal highway sign labeled it Mary's Stream Bridge. Jason had made an intimate connection with this bridge in the fall of 69. Back then, it had been wooden, and this highway gravel, but his memory was vivid and unchanged. He stopped midway down the 50-foot bridge, switched off the radio, and put it in park. Getting out of the truck, he pulled at the crotch of his pants to situate himself. Thank God there are no jumpy freaks on the bridge, he thought. He stepped to the truck bed and took another brewski from his cooler. He popped the top, slurped the fuzz from the edge, and turned it up. Ah, he concluded, smacking his lips together a few times. 
He wandered over to the concrete barrier covered in teenagers graffiti. There were many so and she loves so and so. This person sucks dick, call us number for a good time. Drawings of penises, smiley faces, and tags from surrounding area codes. He peered over. He couldn't see the water and barely heard it flowing. The maddening rhythm of the frogs surrounding the air was damn near ear-shattering. Took them two months to find you, he said to himself. I bet you were bloated and all chewed up. Had small creatures living inside you and shit. All nasty and decomposed, smelling like rot. I thought the current would take you down into the river and God knows where from there. Hell, it rained all that week so the water was up. Doesn't matter now though. That was a different age. No techno bullcrap. You were just another hippie wanderer anyway. With no linkage to me or anybody else around here. And now, you're just bones in a grave marked with a headstone with no name. I had a great night. I can't say the same thing for you though. Well, you enjoyed yourself up till the time I put a cord around your neck. While you slept naked in my bed. Feeling his erection had withered, he pulled Junior out of his black oxide-coated jeans and began urinating onto the barricade. Oh yeah, that's the stuff, he said and looked up into the star-filled night sky. Little did he know he wouldn't be seeing the half-moon making its midnight ascent tonight. He returned to his truck and took a drink of his brewski as he shifted the truck into gear. He stomped on the gas, but then slammed on the brake as a figure stepped into the beams of his headlights. A pervy little grin came across his face. A woman, who looked to be in her twenties, stood thirty-some-odd feet in front of his truck. Her mud-caked hands were held out in front of her face to block the headlights from her eyes. Her brown hair fell around her, dripping with water. Small twigs and leaves were tangled among its chaos. Her pink spaghetti-strapped tank top was filthy and torn, scaring and altering that was once shown on it. Her pale stomach displayed a small blue belly button ring. Her jeans had dark blue from the moisture they held. Her bare feet were coated in a glaze of mud. Jason leaned his head out his window and called out. You okay? She slightly moved her head to one side, trying to see past the glare of the lights. I'm lost, she replied, her voice just loud enough to be heard over the sound of his truck's engine and the frogs that just would not shut the hell up. Come get in. And I'll take you home. I need to go to the hospital. She called out, this time louder, but then said in a softer tone. I've been lost for a long time. Well, come get in, and I'll take you. She stood there silent, unmoving. I'm not gonna bite you, just yet, he thought. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Slowly, she began to move toward the passenger side of the truck. While she walked closer to the truck, he watched her, eyeing her potential. Go for a late night swim? He asked her while she sat down. The light gray fabric of the seat turned dark as water soaked it. Droplets rained off the tips of her hair that curtained around her lowered head. Huh? She questioned, not bothering to look up at him. Nothing, he replied, turning the overhead light on. The name's Jason, by the way. Mary, she replied, still staring down at her hands folded on her lap. That's a beautiful name, he told her, and reached over to place a hand on her thigh before saying, I've always liked that name. She didn't say anything as she slowly and gently placed her hand over top his. She then slightly raised her head and asked, Can you turn on the radio? Sure thing, baby. He removed his hand from her thigh to turn it on. I hope you like classic rock. He placed his hand back onto her thigh. She placed hers back atop his. Fading music gave way to an extremely cheerful disc jockey Jason had never heard before. Hey there, fine folks. Your favorite demon of the airwaves here on rolling 107.5. The only place to get your classic rock here in the lower part of the natural state. Hope y'all had a lovely Friday and are cooling off from that afternoon heat because I know it's not your friend. You all have simply adapted to it. Personally, I'm used to it. I was created in it. Molded by it. I didn't feel a cold breeze until I was a millennia, and to be honest, I hated it. Can you guess what movie reference I'm making? The first caller to phone it in and get it right will win a prize. Hope you know the number, <laughs> because I sure don't. Now enough with the dilly-dallying, folks. I've got some more hot hits headed your way. That was Bridge Over Troubled Water by Mr. Simon and Mr. Garfunkel. And now here's Santana with Black Magic Woman. Oh boy, that sounds spooky. Let's give it a listen, shall we? The high notes from the electric guitar began to scream out. Mary began to giggle. What is it? He asked, rubbing her thigh. <laughs> that silly guy in the song, she replied, but couldn't say more as her giggle had turned into a wild laugh. <laughs> Mary looked up 
Her hair fell to the sides of her face. Before the strands began falling away, her face paled, began to blister, then turned black before the rotten skin fell, leaving chunks of black clotted blood in its place. Her eyes slowly melted into yellow goo as maggots took up the voids of her eye sockets. A mixture of green, red, and yellow pus oozed from the opening of her nasal cavity. Her clothes faded and then began to wither away as the rest of her body swelled with gas and the rotting flesh beneath her bulging, blackened skin. Jason's hands had become warm and slimy. It was buried within a gash of Mary's decomposing thigh. The strands of denim that were once her blue jeans barely covered her lower body. He jerked his hands out, bringing black chunks of meat clung to his fingers. He began to gag at the pungent smell radiating from her. Kiss me. Mary demanded in Jason's own voice. Make me squeal. <laughs> He screamed as he yanked at the door handle that was no longer functioning. He reached and tried from the outside, but still nothing. He tried climbing out, but she had an unfathomably strong hold and pulled him back in. He waved and screamed for help as a police car drove towards them. The pale blonde head man gave him a big smile and an eccentric wave as he passed. Hope you two lovebirds have a lovely time. Jason heard him yell in the same voice as the disc jockey. Use your tongue, Mary continued. Jason cringed as an impossibly long black tongue came out from behind the teeth of her lipless mouth. Small frogs were crawling out. Someone to a tongue as she flicked it at him. He jerked his eyes down as he felt pressure on his lap. A bloated gray hand was trying to unbutton his pants. I'm gonna take you home, Mary told him and then licked the side of his face leaving a bloody smear. Jason felt water crawling up his legs as he battled with the hand, trying to go down in his pants. Frogs were jumping around everywhere inside the cabin. Some of the bastards were even crawling on him. <laughs> Kiss me, baby. She grabbed him by the back of his head and forced his face closer to hers. He tried to resist, but her strength was overpowering. Mary's tongue entered his mouth as he gasped at her sudden ferocity. He immediately began vomiting, sending a surge of brewski juice into her mouth and onto her corroded face. She didn't relent to the force of the movements of her tongue, so he bit down. He could feel squirts of bile hitting the front of his face. He vomited again sending the tongue into the water that was now up to his waist. Ladies don't bite, Mary told him, still using his voice. Red and yellow pus flowed from her mouth and out the sides of where her cheeks used to be, though now only a few slivers of flesh remained. The hand struggling with his jeans ran over his fat gray head, stomach and up his chest as she continued. He feels so good. Play nice now, sweetie. He started hitting her, but his blows went unnoticed. The water rose up his abdomen as Mayor caressed his chest and continued to talk in his voice. You like it, don't you? 
I can see it. We're gonna have fun, you and I. Jason yelled for help as the water was nipping his chin. He thought the water would be pouring out of his open windows, but now was streaming through the cracks of his doors. But some invisible force was keeping every last drop in. He slammed his foot on the gas, hoping it would send them careening off the road into a light pole or anything so he could try to escape. But the truck didn't budge. Tires squealing behind them as they spun on the slick concrete. Don't worry, baby, Mary told him, pulling a leg over to straddle him. I'll be real, real gentle, honey. Jason screamed one last time before the water consumed him. Black smoke began rolling from his tires. Mary's hands were now wrestling with Jason's to unbutton his jeans. He tried to stop her but quickly found his limbs weakening and his chest burning as he struggled to hold his breath. Calm down now. It won't last long, Mary's muffled voice assured him. Jason felt a hand enter his pants. I'll slide it in nice and slow. He gasped in water as his body forced him to try to breathe. Before the darkness swept over him, he watched a frog slowly pass by his face, its legs pushing it along as it swam in the water. Both rear tires exploded, sending rubber flying and exposing the metal rims to the concrete, causing orange sparks to ignite as they continued their attack on the concrete. Police car that passed pulled up from behind. Black magic woman was blaring over its intercom system. A man in a bright green suit with orange pinstripes stepped out. This song ain't spooky at all. The lights on the roof began flashing green and orange instead of the normal red and blue. He bumped the car door shut with his hip and then started dancing in sync with its rhythm. His shiny orange dress shoes tapped silently on the asphalt. Good morning, everybody. It's Willie here at Rolling 107.5, and just to assure you, yes, it is Monday, and yes, it does suck. Now get up out of bed, comb your teeth, and floss your hair because we all know you're broke and need the money. Now let me get some news to you. For today's weather, it's going to be hot, and that's all for the weather. In other news... A guy named Jason Biggs had himself a little too much to drink this past Friday night and fell off a bridge and drowned to death. Police said it would have taken them days, if not weeks, to find him if not for his truck parked in the middle of a bridge. <laughs> That's a reminder for all you out there. I hope you enjoyed Mary's Bridge, as written by Paris Clark and voiced by Justin Reynolds. Our very own Justin Reynolds currently resides in Stevens Point, but still has a part of himself in Madison, Wisconsin, aka Madtown. Justin has an intense adoration for music. He loves all the artistic and creative endeavors of life, from the beautiful to the ugly. We're looking forward to hearing more from him. 
Our second tale of the evening comes to us from author Michael Tolman and is performed by Nick Goroff. In it, we'll meet someone whose work never really seems to be done, even after arriving home at the end of the day. Now, without further ado, I present to you Stumper's Secret. The man entered his front door to the melody of groaning hinges and his weary footsteps. He shut the door and set his keys on the kitchen table, the weight of his nine-to-five responsibilities melting away as he did. The front door of his home opened into a small, narrow kitchen. It narrowed further into a hallway that led past the cellar door on the right. At the end of the hallway, just past the cellar, the space turned into an ascending staircase. His home wasn't small, but its design and use of space was ill-conceived, and older than he was by at least a decade or more. His lower back hurt from being on his feet for hours at a time, and his hands were still dirty from his day job. The noise from the cellar was back again. He exhaled with frustration, irritated, that the reminder couldn't have waited for him to grab a cola from the fridge and sit for a while. It was insistent, pleading for his attention, and despite his other daily duties, he knew it couldn't wait another night. He'd have to fix the problem now. The tall man moved down the hallway to the cellar door. He stopped at the mirror he had mounted just on the right side of the door and looked at himself for a moment. He liked having a mirror near the front door, so he could check his appearance before leaving. But at that moment, he hated it for what it showed him. Hooded brown eyes looked back at him weary and haunted with age and exhaustion. Dark circles and ever more noticeable lines made his face appear ancient in the half-lit corridor. He had salt and pepper whiskers from not shaving that week, and the graying hair at his temples was getting long and unruly again. He had been clipping his hair since he had turned twenty-two, rather than trying to hide the male-patterned baldness that had begun to take hold so dismally early in his life. He maintained an air of youth and exuberance, despite his aging features, but today he was feeling his years more acutely than ever, and the mirror reflected that truth. He stared for a moment long at the tired and worn-looking face that stared back at him, and at that moment, he mourned for his lost youth. The door to the cellar whined in complaint, its creaking hinges aching with age. The top two steps were no better, moaning with the wear and tear of decades as they supported his weight. He sighed again. They needed to be replaced soon before they broke beneath his step, especially the second one. He could drive to the store that minute and buy the single piece of lumber he'd need to fix. 
and that would be the end. He had the tools, the nails, and the know-how to replace it easily. But his back pain flared. The insistent noise was still demanding his attention downstairs. A third weary sigh escaped him. He didn't have the energy to fix both today. He descended slowly. His steps halted and stiff from the pain. He flipped the light switch at the bottom, and he was greeted with the familiar sight of the cement walls and floor of the basement. The old support beams towards the back of the cellar were musty and cobwebbed, and his tools were everywhere from the project he had been working on. The occasional drip of moisture could be heard, and the cool air was thick with the smell of his labors. He stretched, arching his back and groaning it again. He looked where the noise was coming from. He needed his wrench. The noise kept rising and falling as he searched the table where he last remembered seeing it. It was time to replace it. His skills couldn't keep it running much longer anyway. The wrench he needed was on the floor underneath the table. Spending so much time down here fixing things lately had become tiresome and didn't quite bring him the joy it used to. He moved to the opposite table, wiping the sweat away from his brow as he did. This was going to be another exhausting night. Next to the table, his apron hung by a thick nail in the beam overhead, worker gloves tucked neatly in the front chest pocket. He slipped the apron over his head and tied it around his waist. The rubber gloves went on next, thick and smooth against his skin. He laced his fingers and worked the gloves snugly down to the webs. The large wrench was difficult to grasp in the thick gloves, but he could hold it well enough. He gripped the wrench in his left hand and placed his right hand on the wheezing mechanism. In two quick motions, he raised the wrench and brought it down hard on his victim's face. The second swing brought the wrench down hard on the eye socket, collapsing it and finally ending the incessant noise. Teeth broke as the wrench connected with the sickening force, and blood sprayed his apron. The man set the wrench aside and took a moment to look over the body. So much to do now. He noticed the utility knife near the body, still within reach, having been used last night to remove the eyelids. That had been quite interesting. Of all the mechanisms he brought home to dismantle, he had as of yet never seen the eye without the skin surrounding it. It gave the head a strange appearance, making the eyes look like they were popping out. That had kept his attention for a while. It was time. He was done with this one, and would get new components in a couple of weeks, or perhaps a month or two, depending on how he felt after some downtime. He'd been considering taking a break for some time. For now, he needed to disassemble this device and dispose of it. He looked at all the work he'd put in, broken joints, seared flesh, and large muscle groups missing sizable portions were all evident as he inspected the results of his methodical 
destruction. The genitals were first. He severed them and plopped them in a waiting, tickling jar on the shelf. The scalp came next. He cleaned it and draped it over an old hat rack to dry, looking forward to adding the strawberry blonde mop to the long house coat made of other scalps that he wore when he was alone during cold winter days at home. He made surgical cuts he learned from watching autopsy videos to help the blood drain a bit better. He knew his clumsy attempts couldn't compare to those of a surgeon or coroner, but for someone completely untrained in the medical profession, he felt like he had become somewhat of a skilled amateur after all his practice. He picked up his scattered tools as the blood pooled in the bucket at the end of the table. He grabbed his fillet knife after organizing the space and began to take his choice strips of skin from the chest and thighs. He was making decent progress on the wall behind him. A few more of this size would have the whole wall covered. Then he could begin on the other walls. After removing the head and putting it in a preservation jar, he placed it on the shelf next to the others. Soon he'd need another shelf, or he would just have to stop keeping the heads. He liked the heads. They reminded him all the hard work he had done over the years. The intestines came next. He cut a length free, emptied it, and threw it around his neck as he performed his best Cruella de Vil impression, swaying and prancing around his workplace while smoking a pretend cigarette and swinging the grotesque boa to and fro. He laughed a little as he took it off and threw it in a large plastic bin with the remaining organs to be incinerated. He finished up and sealed the last of the bins with their lids. He put the choice cuts of meat he had selected in the deep freezer and began cleaning the rest of the clutter and scraps left over. It took a while, but the man felt triumphant accomplishment as the bone fragments and the last of the solid pieces were finally scooped up and tossed into the old incinerator. He'd burn the rest after dinner once the first batch of solids had been reduced to ash. He walked over to the spigot under the stairs and grabbed the attached hose. He whistled an old sea shanty as he sprayed down his work area. He let the hose fall from his hands, grabbed the Tupperware that held the liver, and headed upstairs. He flipped the light off and climbed the steps, happy to be done with his work for the night. As he approached the top of the stairs, he tried to remember if he still had onions and garlic for dinner when unexpectedly... A loud crack of splintering wood resounded through the basement, and his leg plunged into the hole left by the broken step. He yelped as he plummeted, caught off guard by the sudden plunge. Pain shot through his leg and groin as the splintered wood stabbed into him, and rusted nails gouged him deep along his inner thigh. He screamed as he tried to lift himself. There was a large splinter of wood embedded deep in his groin, just to the left of his genitals. It was deeper than he thought. 
He could feel it stabbing into the soft innards just inside his pelvic area. Blood ran freely from his leg. He could hear it splashing on the floor below him. He must have opened an artery. Panic set in. He struggled to lift himself despite his agony, desperate to escape and stem the bleeding. The pain was excruciating. The deep wounds along his thigh sent hot flares of damaged signals to his brain. Was he going to die like this? Alone and awkwardly impaled on a piece of splintery, dirty old wood sticking out of the stairs? Was this ignoble end all his hard work had earned him? His struggling lessened as his strength bled away with his life. He slumped, unable to keep his body up and off the hardened splinter of wood that impaled him. Numb and cold overcame him as the offending piece of stairs stabbed a few more inches from his dead weight. In the last moments of his life, as the blood splashing below grew to a slow drip and the darkness in his vision closed in, he cursed himself bitterly. And he should have just fixed the goddamn step. The darkness enveloped him, and he was gone. Days later, his neighbors reported the smell, and the police came. They found his body on the steps and would eventually make their way down into the basement after extracting him. Bins full of bones, organs, and meat would be discovered, much to the horror of the investigating officers, and the nearly covered wall of skin almost drove them all from the basement and mass. Teeth found in the incinerator and tattoos on the wall would help identify some of those whose heads he had not collected and put on display. Two senior police sergeants would seek counseling after the initial investigation, and one rookie officer simply left the scene after throwing up and turned in his badge the next day. The officer had only been on the job for about four months. Over time, the house would gain infamy as the flesh pit of Pittsburgh, and eventually it would be demolished by request of the bank that owned the deed to Barnabas Stumper's home. They never even tried to sell it. As for Barnabas Stumper, he would forever be known to the world as the Beast of Sailor Street, the prolific serial murderer who callously butchered over 42 people in his basement and made a macrobe mural of their skin on the cold cement wall. That was Stumper's secret, which he had expertly hidden for years, a secret that had only been revealed after a sudden death that he had nearly avoided had he only replaced that fateful step. I hope you enjoyed Stumper's Secret, as written by Michael Tolman and performed by Nick Goroff. You can find more of this author's work on Amazon, where they have recently released a collection called Darkness, an Omnibus of Horror. That's Michael Tolman, 
T-O-L-M-A-N. Voice actor and 2016 Evil Idol champion Nick Goroff's talents can be found on our very own Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, as well as on past episodes of the Simply Scary podcast. You can also join Nick on his YouTube channel, Wizard of Cause. As for me, I'll be right here next week. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host for the evening, Steve Taylor, and it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.